listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of ST Times. And now, here's Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of ST Times. Hello, everyone. I recently uh, had the opportunity to speak with Deb Goodkin. She's the Executive Director at the Free BSD Foundation to talk about uh, this year being the 30th anniversary of that open source operating system project. Uh, we talk about that. We talked about uh, how it has evolved uh, since its beginning 30 years ago, uh, how it compares to Linux, what they're seeing it used for most, and talking in general about uh, how open source software has uh, exploded uh, over that time as well. So uh, this is a conversation I had with her recently, and it goes a little something like this. Deb, thanks for being here today on the uh, What the Dev podcast. Uh, glad to have you. Thanks. It's nice being here. Thank you again. Uh, so, yeah, let's um, talk about uh, FreeBSD and the foundation, of course. It's uh, celebrating its 30th year, uh, and maybe we can kind of take a quick step back and see, you know, what is the origins of FreeBSD? Why was it seen to be an important thing at the time? Why it remains relevant? And, uh, you know, where it may be going? Okay. Well, FreeBSD uh, did celebrate its 30th anniversary this year back in June, June 19th. And June 19th, that date was picked because that's when the name actually was decided on. So it's sort of fun to use that day. Uh, FreeBSD actually came from uh, Berkeley Unix. And so, I mean, if actually, if you take like a giant step back, uh, Unix came out of Bell Labs and over 50 years ago. And so um, Berkeley actually um, had a version there and they did a lot of research and um, you know, development with it. And uh, so they had a lot of contributions to Unix in general. And so over time, uh, they actually developed a lot of components that are actually used today, like TCP um, and other things. Eventually, it turned. they had a lot of government funding, and um, it turned into uh, 386 BSD. There are many versions. There's a whole history behind that. And, and actually, we have this great timeline on our website freebsdfoundation.org. Um, and so it's sort of fun to look back at that. And um, so anyway, um, Berkeley um, spent a lot of time with it I, I, over 10 years. And um, eventually some of the funding dried up and uh, folks still wanted to continue with it. And so uh, 386 BSD, uh, which was the first unencumbered um, version that it was forked into FreeBSD and NetBSD at that time. And so you had a core group of people who took that on and then built a community around that. Interesting. So where are you seeing it mostly used? Uh, so you mostly see it used in servers and uh, like data centers, embedded systems, and uh, a lot of networking and um products that want to be secure so uh, so embedded systems would be like sony playstation would be a great example of that so uh, the playstation from three um, has been based on FreeBSD. you see it in products that really need high performance so netflix is always a good example of that so they um, get extremely high uh, transfer rates like we're talking like 800 900 gigabit bits per second of 
from one server and um, and their servers are all around the world. And so basically, if you're watching a Netflix um, TV show or movie, you're watching it off of a, a FreeBSD server. And so large data centers use it, um, co, um, co-location facilities. And um, and actually, the Mac OS was based on FreeBSD. There's a whole history behind that with where they started with BSD and um, and then started replacing com- components with FreeBSD over time. And they're still involved. And like if you look at our upcoming conference, you'll see their sponsors. So they definitely have big interest in FreeBSD still. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, that's uh, that's great. So let's talk about uh, the fact that this thing has gone on for 30 years and, and the explosion of open source in general. Uh, I remember the first uh, the first thing I went to, I, I started in, in this space in 1999, uh, really didn't know a whole lot about tech and whatever. And my boss at the time, Alan Zajac, who founded uh, SD Times, so one of the founders, uh, sent me to a Linux World conference. And, uh, you know, that was my first exposure to, you know, tie-dye developers and, uh, you know, it was, it was hobbyists and hackers and, uh, you know, and then after a while, we started going and saw uh, business suits and, you know, people in the enterprise realizing, wow, this is something that is really valuable. Uh, so what do you what do you uh, think the reason for the longevity is uh, for open source? And in fact, we're seeing that it's it's dominating in development. Uh, most development now is cobbled together as opposed to written from scratch. Well, that's right. I mean, so you say if you're creating a product, then you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You have the foundation there. So you have a free uh, operating system that you could build anything on. And so you can use it for general use, just like through your servers um, without any changes, or you can actually go in and make the changes that you want. So um, so you have companies like actually, well, so I'll actually use Sony and Netflix as examples again. And there's a lot of companies that use previously, but Netflix is a, a good example of using it as a general purpose um, operating system for servers, but they're able to go in and make slight modifications in the kernel to, to get those high transfer rates. And mm-hmm. so um and actually, most of the changes they make, they actually upstream, they give them back, and then everything's automatically tested for them, which is really a, a great benefit. So then you have companies that really want to do their own operating system, but instead of building from scratch, because it takes a lot of uh, resources, you have a company like Sony who could take um, this operating system that does everything that they want. It's uh, very minimal. And um, and then they can add what they want. They can make the changes that they want, and then they put it in their product. And so companies are using it because it's so prevalent. And um, I, I read a number pretty recently that like ninety seven percent of software that's out there is ninety seven percent is open source. Mm-hmm. And so um, so why not use something that's successfully being used by other companies. I mean, we're looking at, you know, constraints with resources. And so why have these large teams of people developing? I mean, that's where I came from too, as a developer. 
um, at IBM. You could, you, we had competing teams for you know developing similar products, and then the IBM would choose which one they wanted to you know go in production with, and they had the money back then. And things are a lot different now. Right, oh, that's that's for sure. So uh, looking at uh, FreeBSD as something that's an operating system for servers. Uh, is there uh, any kind of a parallel with uh, with Linux and and FreeBSD, or they those are just two completely different uh, uh, tracks of uh, similar similar operating systems? Well, um, yeah, I, I would think more of the latter. Um, that they're both Unix-like. We do have long history, right? Actually, coming from being a descendant of of Unix, but FreeBSD, the um, development process of it was was definitely different. And uh, for example, when Linux first started out, it was you had uh, very young developers uh, developing Linux, where FreeBSD actually most of those developers were PhD students out of Berkeley, and so you had like a ten year gap in the folks that were developing it. So they had a lot more experience behind them, um, a different type of development methodology. And so meaning that um, it's a more well thought out type of operating system and and development process that they still follow. We don't have like the hacking mentality. I mean, and some people go in there and they want to play around with things, but really you look at the philosophy of don't change things if, if they work, but also if there's a better way to do it, then sure, go ahead and do it. But really think through it and think of um, the whole architecture when you do it. Think of security. Security is so big right now, and um, and that's one thing I think with our architecture too is that it's just designed into it. And um, and so and actually getting back to like who uses it in markets, um, there's a lot being done right now in security that FreeBSD is, is involved with. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, if you compare the differences, uh, they're both great operating systems. Um, one thing I hear is that um, companies need a lot of developers and staff when they use Linux. And uh, for example, I've heard that at Facebook, they had 40 kernel developers on staff um, and you don't need that with with FreeBSD, and um, and then just the fact that FreeBSD is a complete operating system. Yeah. So you have that it, it, the community is building and testing and contributing to FreeBSD. It's one community versus Linux has I don't know how many distributions. So Linux is really right. just the kernel, right? But we always refer to it as the operating system. So there's right. difference there, and then. Um, a, a big difference really is the license and it being a permissive license, then anyone can use it for any reason. And also, and, and not only that, even, you know, even if you don't care about, um, you know, including your, your own IP and not wanting to give it back, there's still the, you, you know, if, if you use the GPL, you still have to worry about licensing and uh, people don't want to have to deal with license issues and lawyers. They just want to use it and move forward. And so, um, so because of that, a lot of companies will choose FreeBSD because of that. Interesting. 
So I know you mentioned that uh, Apple is uh, very involved. Uh, who are who are some of the other major? Are there other major corporate contributors? Oh sure, uh, Juniper is um, so June Junos is based on FreeBSD, uh, NetApp. Uh, they're um, on tap. Um, is based on FreeBSD. Um, you may not have heard of Backup that actually just switched a few years ago from Windows CE to FreeBSD. A uh, lot of uh, CPU and hardware vendors right now are engaging with us to make sure FreeBSD is running on their hardware because what they're running to do is their customers or potential customers are wanting FreeBSD supported. So they're making sure that they're supporting FreeBSD. Um, University of Cambridge is doing a ton of research and security with FreeBSD. In fact, they have hundreds of millions of pounds invested from the government on a security project between University of Cambridge and ARM, where ARM incorporated this architecture that University of Cambridge came up with. And so there are over 70 companies within the, the UK that are experimenting it with it right now. And FreeBSD is the operating system that they're using. So are these are these sponsors influencing the direction of the project or are they using it and then customizing as they need on their own systems? And that's OK without necessarily, you know, putting that back into the community. I mean, how, how is that all working? So it so it works both ways. So we uh, so we're not a membership organization, and so we don't. So what it means is so we're not a trade association, but we still as a five hundred one c three and for the public good we do work with companies. And we um, what we try to do is really find out like how are they using FreeBSD? What are your challenges and pain points? And we bring that information back to the project, and we try to work with folks, whether they're on our staff or within the project to um, try to improve like some of that friction companies are running into or users are running into, mm-hmm. if there's features that they need. Um, and if it's being worked on within the project, we try to just give them more information about how are users using these features. And if someone's not working on it, we may actually take it on. If we think that it's going to benefit FreeBSD in the long run, then we'll actually fund that work. And so we have um, our own software developers, and we also have a, um, a bunch of contractors around the world who uh, who will bring on when they're um, experienced in certain areas that, that we need help with. Mm-hmm. And so, but as far as, and the reason why I brought up the trade association thing is that usually those type of organizations will have companies represented on their boards or technical advisory boards, and they do actually help influence the direction. And so ours is more in an indirect way. We do not have uh, paying members. Uh, We do have partners. And so, and we try to work with them to make sure, like what I was saying earlier, is that um, their issues can be addressed. And it really just helps inform our roadmap as well as the the project's roadmap. Very quickly, uh, moving forward, uh, where do you see that maybe uh, some new things are coming down the pike that you want to integrate into the project? Or or what are you looking at uh, seeing as like the next big need for people? So for us, the big thing is security. And so so with a few things that 
that we're looking at. One is making sure that our voice is included in all these policies that are being, you know, developed from, you know, the EU to to the United States. And uh, FreeBSD is part of the critical infrastructure of the world, the digital infrastructure. And so... Um, so we want to make sure that it, that is recognized and we're, our voice is included. And then also uh, making sure that uh, we stay on top of keeping FreeBSD secure, as well as helping inform um, users and potential users how to make sure that they keep uh, their systems secure. And our involvement with this whole University of Cambridge and ARM project that we're staying on top of that because that's because that's more you know right now it's in the experimental stages so that is um, a big uh, opportunity for keeping systems secure from iot devices to, to larger systems so that's a that's a big thing and then um and some things that we're also working on besides making sure that we're implementing features that will keep um previously ahead of the game irrelevant is creating uh, educational material. So that will help us bring in young users and developers. And also we believe FreeBSD is just a great uh, tool for learning systems, programming and development and just operating systems in general. So, um, so making sure that, that students when they're learning about operating systems and systems programming, that they can see these different options and, and they can learn from them too. Because we, because the thing when you compare FreeBSD to Linux, I mean, one thing is like Linux, the kernel is like 35 million lines of code. It's really big. Right. And FreeBSD, I mean, the FreeBSD kernel is about 5 million. So if you want to learn and read through code, FreeBSD is much easier to to learn from. So, um, so we want to invest in um, providing better you know, educational opportunities with FreeBSD. There, we were talking about the fact that uh, FreeBSD has, has survived for 30 years and there are not a lot of projects in the world that have lasted that long. So that's really a, kind of a feather in your cap, I guess. And Right. Yeah. And what's interesting is that, so not only have we been around for 30 years, but we're actually growing and uh, we're seeing more companies reaching out to us to ask us about how can, how they can support FreeBSD and, uh, you know, from hardware vendors to companies that are developing products, um, you know, with the security being such a big deal now, cybersecurity here and all over the place that, um, governments ar- around the world are very concerned. And so uh, so one thing that we're doing is making sure our voice is included in that. But we're also seeing that government agencies are starting to use free real estate. And uh, for example, uh, we here, we don't know a lot of information about it, but German government is um, is switching over to free BSD, And it's a pretty big deal. And a big reason is because of the simplicity of using it, the stability and reliability, and then um, how secure it is, and um, and then just um, all these government initiatives that have come out in the past few years uh, that we're including our voices 
and as well as looking at opportunities out there that we get involved with, like the U.S. chips and um, the um, cybersecurity acts that are happening. But the big thing for me is when I talk about like the growth of FreeBSD is uh, we're actually getting a lot of young people involved. We have, I don't know, five or six interns right now on our staff. And a few of them came from the Google Summer of Code program. Mm-hmm. We oh. have about, I think, like, yeah, over time, like, so from last year, we had, um, I forgot how many we contracted, but um, I don't know, it was probably like three or four. And then we have others um, on staff right now that we're contracting. We're involved with University of Waterloo, their co-op program, and we've had students through them for years now. Mm-hmm. And um, and a lot of these students and GSOC students, um, they um, want to continue with us. And that's and they're working on significant uh, projects. They're actually, I mean, they're really delving into some pl- complex um, pieces of the kernel and making significant contributions and impacts to FreeBSD. So, I mean, what an opportunity. And the other thing too is, is really that people are starting to look at Linux as like how folks looked at Microsoft back in the 90s. Right. And um, not a neck to, to Linux, but um, a lot of young folks are looking at FreeBSD as it's the cool project that's not, um, you know, it's not... Um, owned by these major you know, corporations, but they are used by them. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. All right, Deb Goodkin, Executive Director at the Free BSD Foundation. Thanks so much for your time today. Really informative. Thanks. Okay, and to our listeners, thanks again for joining us. Uh, I'm Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of SD Times. So long for now.